0: Hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to go to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. Jesus is speaking here in verse number 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again. And I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas looked at Jesus and he said to him, I know not the way or where, whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus He said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him, and you have seen him. I just want to skip down just a few verses in that same chapter. Just read one more. Verse 28. Jesus says... You have heard now how I said unto you, I go away, and I come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Jesus is telling his people, he's telling even us today, I'm going away, but I'm coming again. I'm leaving, but I'm going to come and see you soon. I'm going to depart from your presence physically. Don't worry. My spirit will come quickly, and I will come soon. I'll meet you again, and I will take you to the place to whence I'm going. I'm thankful today that we still are holding to that promise. I'm thankful today that we have that promise that he is still coming soon. He is still coming soon today. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's all right. Let's let's put our hands together. He's still coming soon. He is still coming soon today. Praise His holy name. Praise His holy. Name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated here today. It's not my intention to be long this morning. It's also not my intention today to preach a doomsday message because it is in fact in the midst of all of the end time, the end time things that would come to pass that Joel prophesies that a great end time revival would also take place. It's in the midst of all of the end time things that are happening that Jesus said his kingdom would prevail. See, but I must remind us here today that, that there are prophecies and there are prophets who spoke of the last days. And I believe that we are living in those last days right now. Amen. Church, we are, we need to wake up this morning into the reality of the day and the hour in which we are living. We need to have our senses uh, heightened, our our spiritual awareness waking up so that we realize the day and the hour in which we are living. It's been just over a week now that Israel has been at war and there is something about when Israel goes to war that uh, hopefully that gets your attention, thinking about what the scripture has to say about wars and rumors of wars and, and the end times that there will be unrest, but then there will be a time of peace that will come in that will usher in that end time, but it will just be a short time of peace because it is shaping up for the last days and the last hours of this earth. See, if Ezekiel were here today he's one in which that speaks of the end times uh, very often in in his writings. And if he were here today, I believe that he would tell you that 78 years ago, on August 6th, an atomic bomb was dropped out of a B-29 bomber named Enola Gay onto the city of Hiroshima. And immediately, 70 to 80,000 people vanished into thin air. Another 70,000 people died in the months and the years after that day as a direct result of the radiation that was released from the Great fruit-sized amounts of atomic explosives. He would tell you that August 6, 1945, ushered this world into the last days. He might even tell you that there are around 15,000 nuclear warheads in existence today that are far superior to the two that were dropped 78 years ago. But we have lived with them for so long that we don't even think about what could happen if they were put to use today. If Ezekiel were here today, he would tell you to wake up to the day and the hour in which we are living. He would tell you that this year, this year, 2023, is the 75th anniversary of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. I don't know if you realize how impossible it was for a nation that did not exist For thousands of years to come back into existence. In a dead language to come back into use. But suffice it to say that the events were ordered by God. And the day and the hour in which we are living is divinely directed by God himself. Further, if Ezekiel was here today, he would not hesitate to remind you that in the last of the last days people will be running frenetically to and fro, and that knowledge will increase. I believe that he would tell you about the exponential rate of the spread of knowledge, so much so that in a matter of decades, we have now experienced 20,000 years of progress according to those who study such things. If you were to look at how progress was, was taking place, the rate of progress that just in the last couple of decades, we have, we have increased exponentially in knowledge. If Ezekiel were here today, I believe that he would remind you to be a watchman on the wall as surveying the happenings around the world and proclaiming as Jesus did that when these signs come to pass, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up. As I said, my intention today is not a doomsday message, but it is the fact that we are living in a day and an hour when our redemption is drawing nigh. And we are living in a day and hour where we as a church need to have our eyes looking up. So the truth of the matter is that speaking about the return of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, it is... Even within some Christian circles today, a taboo conversation. There are some in Christian circles that they don't believe that Jesus is returning and that the church will be raptured up out of this earth. They, they will look at certain passages of scripture and interpret them one way or another. But what I see from the, from the word of God is that he says, if I leave, then I'm going to come again for my church. If I leave to go and prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come again to bring you to that place in which I am going. Unfortunately, though you may not know these men yourself, there are prominent writers of biblical commentaries, authors of popular books, men like R.C. Sproul and Kenneth Gentry, Gary DeMar. They have a heavy influence on millions of pastors and Christians around the world. And These men, along with many others, they hold to this preterist viewpoint. They do not believe in the rapture. They do not believe in a future hope for the church in the new millennium. And if... You're not careful who you listen to. It's really easy to get swept up by this false teaching that is presented as biblical truth. But Robert Jensen, he's a man referred to as America's theologian. He once said that the folk who drive around with bumper stickers about the rapture are closer to biblical faith than those who are mainline Christians. With our embarrassment about the fact that Jesus is coming back. See, I say that the man standing on a street corner in New York City holding a sign and yelling out into a bullhorn that the end is near, he can more closely relate to the first century church than most Christians today. How is this true? Because in my mind, that guy's kind of crazy. But the reality is that we are living in a day and an hour right now that Jesus warned us about that the that the disciples and that apostle Paul wrote about and every time that they wrote about it they said look up get ready don't you be uh, don't you be ignorant of the times and the day the day and age in which you are living because Jesus is returning and he is still coming soon now that's an interesting word soon It's been a long time since Jesus spoke those words that he's coming soon. But I still believe today that he is coming soon. Don't you let the fact that it's been 2,000 years since Jesus spoke those words. Don't you let that get you get your mind warped or get you thinking that he is not coming back. Because he is still coming soon. See Paul, he comforted the church by telling them. I would not have you to be ignorant, says the first Thessalonians. And I have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which, also which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with them. See, I'm hoping here today to quickly lay out to you what the Bible teaches about the fact that He is coming to get His church. Don't be ignorant about the fact that He's coming back. Don't be ignorant about the fact that Jesus is returning for His brides. Don't be ignorant about the fact that we are living in the day, in the hour that these prophets spoke of, that Jesus spoke of, that the, that the epistles that they spoke of, that right now where we are living is the day and the hour that Jesus is coming back. Now, I say that understanding that no man knows the day or the hour. I'm not proclaiming today that Jesus is coming back today, though he very well could be. See, this soon thing is a matter that we need to get a hold of. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So we can spend, wor- we can spend weeks or even years covering this topic fully, but, but hopefully, hopefully we can just get an understanding that Jesus is coming back for his church and he is coming back quickly. He is coming back soon. It's not just here. Uh, Revelation 3, it said, behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, 7, he says, behold, I come quickly. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed (laughs) Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica he says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now what do we do with that? Let's comfort one another with these words. Church, he is coming soon. He is coming soon. Now what defines soonness? See, first of all, it must be repeated what Jesus said in his Olivet Discourse. He said, watch therefore, for ye know neither for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So often we hear this verse quoted, but it's the last portion that we focus on. Today, I want to draw our attention to the beginning of it, where he says, watch, therefore. Watch, therefore. Because today could be the day. This could be the hour. So watch, therefore, that you do not miss the second coming of the Lord. Get your eyes on watch. Get your minds on watch duty. I want to be the one who's on watch. I don't want to be the one who's caught asleep when he comes back. I want to be looking out for his soon return with a watchful eye. Come on church, he's coming soon. He's coming back. And I want to be on watch. I don't want to just be just going off and doing my own thing when he comes back. I want to be ready when Jesus comes back for the church. Luke 21, Jesus, he says here, there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars upon the earth, distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves will be roaring. Men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. See, I do not have an answer for you today of exactly when soon is, but this is what I do know: that the time that time is nothing to God, and yet His timing is always perfect. Truthfully, it doesn't matter how long it takes for God to come back, because for you, it's still soon. And in the short amount of time that we have here on earth, you ought to spend it looking for his return. Now, at least for me, in my life, he's coming soon. Because for me, I only have, I don't know, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. That really isn't that long to live. I may only have just tomorrow to live. None of us know how if we have today or tomorrow left in our life. None of us know what's coming down down the, the pathway for us, and so He's coming soon for every one of us. We need to have our eyes established on Jesus, understanding He is coming back for a church. He's coming back for His bride. But I do want to look at this one little passage in Second Peter. That's very it's an interesting addition to this discussion. About the return of Jesus. So 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. It says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements they shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Look at verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Let me go back to that, that verse 12 and read that in the New Living Translation because it says there, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. This is what he's calling the church to do. Look for the day of God and hurry it along. Now, I don't even have a full grasp and understanding of what. Peter is asking us to do there, but there is something that the church does as we look for God, as we begin to, to, to reach the lost, as we begin to reach the, or spread the gospel all over the world. As we do that, it is hastening the day of the Lord. It is bringing about the soon return of Jesus Christ. And here's something about a church that has their eyes set on Jesus. It's C.S. Lewis. He wrote this in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so effective in this world. See, a brief look through church history makes it clear that when God's people are expecting his soon return, then revival breaks out and God begins to move in miraculous ways. When the church gets their eyes set on Jesus and when the church begins to look for his return, that is when revival happens. That is when there is something about the, the church having their eyes set on the next life that God begins to do a work here in this life. And I don't know where the church got off track in all of this, but at some point they did get their eyes Off of the fact that God is coming back. I'm thankful that right around the turn of the century that there was a great awakening that took place. That something was stirring in men and in men like George Whitefield who were preaching a message about the fact that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is returning. And began to preach this message, and massive revivals broke out throughout North America, really all around the world. You had these revivals that were taking place, and, and there, if you read, uh, there were many instances of people who were speaking in tongues as they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is something that was it was never completely lost throughout history, but the latter rain truly began to fall as God's people began to get their focus on the fact that He is coming back. In fact, the very first documented instance of tongues and interpretation that we have from our modern era took place in a service in England on April 20th, 1830. Two brothers, George and James MacDonald, were both speaking in tongues in the service and then suddenly, James gave an utterance in tongues and George interpreted it. The interpretation was this. Behold he cometh. Jesus cometh a weeping Jesus. That's right. The first recorded message of tongues and interpretation that is proclaimed the hope of the fact that Jesus is returning soon. It was in the Early 1900s that we have the Azusa Street Revival that continually we see miracles taking place. And always their minds when their thoughts were fastened on the fact that Jesus is coming back for his church. And my question here today, and I don't want to be much longer, but my question here today is where is our thoughts? Are we having our minds fastened on the fact that Jesus is coming back for his church? It's beautiful as I see around this sanctuary here today, those who are crying out to God and those who it's been years since they've stepped foot into a church, but they feel the presence of God in this place. And all I want to say to you is that thank God that you are here today because he is reaching for you and he's calling you to him. He's calling you to Him and He's saying, wake up. I'm coming back soon and I want to fill the heaven's gates. I want to fill the heaven's portal with the fact that you would be here today. Gives you an opportunity to come unto me. Mm, Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've never experienced the new birth, let me tell you that it's an experience that you can have today. Now you don't have to wait. Why don't you be like the one who uh, who Philip met when Philip was was ministering, and he, he was just walking along the road, and all of a sudden a chariot came by, and it was he was just strolling by, and he came to this this man that was there, and he's reading the Book of Isaiah, and he asked him, "Do you understand what you're reading?" He said, no, I don't understand what it is that's happening here. I don't know if it's talking about himself or it's talking about somebody else. And, and, and Philip began to tell him all about Jesus, the one that that passage he was reading about. He was telling him about Jesus Christ who would come and die for his sins. By the time that they were done with this little Bible study, they came upon some water. And this man in the chariot said, what what is hindering me right now from being baptized so that I can have my sins forgiven? And Philip said, nothing is stopping us from doing that. Let's take care of it today because Jesus is coming soon. See, if you've never been baptized in Jesus name, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't be like the one uh, who was the governor in in, in, uh, Israel at that time. And and Paul began sharing with him the message of Jesus Christ. And how you needed to be saved through water, baptism, and repentance of your sins. Receiving the Holy Ghost. And he said, I'm going to wait for a convenient season. I'll wait until tomorrow. We never know if tomorrow is going to come. Why don't we respond as those on the day of Pentecost responded, when they had it revealed to them that they were sinners, that they were in need of a Savior? And it says that Peter told them, or they asked the question, "What is it that we need to do?" And Peter responded to them, "Repent." And be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you. It's to your children. it's to all them that are far off. If you're here today. I'm telling you Jesus is coming soon. We are living right now. In the end times. Jesus is coming soon. Don't put off for tomorrow what can be taken care of today. This is a message of repentance and it's a message of salvation to say that keep your eyes on me. And if you have not been born again, if you have not been born again, then find an altar where you can come and you can repent. I know that there were some even today you've already found an altar, a place of repentance. You've poured your heart out to God. You've committed yourself to Him. And there's things in your life that you know you need to get figured out. And, and the good thing is God's not waiting for you to get them all figured out. He's looking for you to come just as you are. He doesn't want you to get all these things figured out on your own. He'll help you, feel, he'll help you figure them out. All he needs from you is a change in your heart to say, God, I'm going to commit myself to walking according to your ways. God, I'm committed to you today. He's looking for that commitment in our heart to follow him fully. He's looking for that commitment. But what that commitment will bring you to is an understanding that we need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, then you can do that today. The water's ready right here. And I wouldn't wait if I were you because we uh, it's through that that we find that, that our sins can be washed away and that we can have entrance into heaven. It says that when that happens, He has a gift for you, the promise of the Holy Ghost. It's His Spirit that He will fill you with. If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's a gift that's waiting for you today. It's a gift that he has for you as his people, as the ones who is calling into him. Don't wait. Don't wait any longer. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. See, if we truly understood the day and the hour in which we are living, I think there would be a whole lot more urgency for the church. One of the most important prophecies that Jesus made in the middle of his discourse on the end of days in Matthew chapter 4. It was relating to a fig tree. Jesus noted how as the leaves on the, on the tree indicate that summer is near. He said, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, scholars regularly attribute the biblical metaphor of the fig tree to the nation of Israel. Indeed, on more than one occasion and in different ways, Jesus uses a fig tree as a metaphor for Israel. So please, look closely at what Jesus was saying here. He has one key prophetic marker he says Israel's, this, the sign is Israel's blooming. And when Israel blooms, he says the Son of Man will return before that generation passes away. I told you at the beginning of this message that if Ezekiel was here, he would tell you that this, 2023, is the 75th anniversary of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. That the fig tree bloomed 75 years ago. Jesus said that the generation that saw the fig tree bloom would not pass away before his second coming. Church, I don't know how long it's going to be. But I do know that he's coming soon. We had better get ourselves prepared for his coming. We need to get ourselves prepared. If you have never experienced the new birth, today is the day. Let's find a place of repentance. Why don't we just all stand all over this Sanctuary here today If you have experienced a new birth Why don't we just make sure that our eyes Are set on Jesus And as our eyes are set on Jesus and set on the new world To come why don't we let that spark Something in us to say I need to I need to get somebody else To, to Jesus I need to find somebody else Who I can bring to him I don't want anybody to experience The, the awfulness of what hell will be I don't want anybody to be lost Why don't we get something, an urgency in our hearts? Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming soon. He's going to come as a thief in the night. Amen. If you today are are feeling that, that tug in your heart or feeling that prompting in your spirit to respond, I tell you we're going to be right down here at the altar and if I can get some uh, some individuals right now, some prayer warriors, some people that can come down to this altar right now and just just be here to, to to meet those who might come in response. Hallelujah, Jesus! If you today are saying I, I don't know if I'm ready, why don't you come? Why don't you come to an altar right now and you can talk with somebody if you if you need just somebody to talk to to say, can you help me pray? I don't know exactly what everything that the, this preacher's talking about. I don't know exactly. Not all that makes sense. But, but maybe you could just come right now and you can, you can have somebody that's down here at this altar. We, we can pray with you. We can, we can help you. We can, we can show you well, what, what it says in Scripture if you're still questioning well, what it means to be baptized. If you have any questions about that, let's not wait. Let's not put it off for tomorrow. Let's take care of it today. Jesus' name. Amen. These altars are open right now. We're going to just go back and do a song right now. And and as we do so, I'm going to invite you to come. I want to invite you to respond. God is coming. Jesus is coming. Why don't we lift up our hands all around this place. Hallelujah, Jesus.